Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. And if you can turn with me, we're picking up, uh, we're going through 1 Thessalonians, so we're picking up in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1, the title of our message is, By Faith, By Faith. As a believer, we're told that for by grace you're saved through faith. It's essential for a relationship with God, faith, putting our trust in the Lord, We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is so important for us as believers, and we're going to talk quite a bit about faith and putting our trust in God. Uh, Faith means trusting in God, believing in God, trusting not only in God, but also in his word. When we read it and we realize what the Bible says, we, we walk by faith, we apply it in our lives, trusting that God knows best, Father knows best, and that's a walk of faith. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to be people of faith. Faith is so important in our lives, and this is a reminder for us. And I, and I pray that, you know, the Bible also talks, he gives us each a measure of faith. And I don't know if you've ever prayed this before, but I've prayed, Lord, give me an extra measure of faith. I want to trust you more. I want to put my trust in you. So faith is so important. Hopefully, you're walking by faith. Hopefully, you're a person of faith. Hopefully, you know and understand that that you can trust in your maker, the creator of everything. You can trust him. The Bible says it. That settles it. You can stand on it. So we're going to be talking about faith. before we get into our text here, before I read it, another thing is, so Paul the Apostle is writing to new believers there in Thessalonica. We're going to read about that. And he's, he's encouraging them and talking to them by, about faith. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So if you can please stand with me, I'm going to go ahead and read again. First Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 8. Paul the Apostle writing to new believers there in Thessalonica. Verse 1. So Paul writes, Therefore... When we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your, can we say it out loud? Faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we were appointed to this. For, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. Verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Can we say that? I'm sorry. I'm going to back that up again because I want you to uh, say that out loud, please. So I sent to know your faith. Let's some... By some means, the tempter had tempted you, and our labors might be in vain. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your and love, and that you also have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Verse 7. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Last verse, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So, Lord, we lift up these eight verses. Pray, Lord, give us application. You know the notes I have, and I believe you were there helping me prepare these, but go beyond anything that's prepared and just speak directly to all of us, Lord, and help us to walk by faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. You could be seated. Thank you. So as way of reminder, when Paul the Apostle was on his second missionary journey, he went to this place, Thessalonica in modern-day Greece. When he was there, he shared the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many believed in Christ. Many came to faith. Multitudes came to faith in the city. As you recall, the religious leaders of the day, the, the, the Jewish leaders, they were envious of Paul. They didn't believe in this Jesus that he preached. So he gathered a mob of people, and they drove, basically drove Paul and Silas out of town. So Paul and Silas are out of town. They're, they had to leave. They went to Berea, Athens, and they went to Corinth where he's writing uh, this letter. But he's concerned because he's leaving these new believers. And he's concerned about their discipleship. He, he realizes that the enemy can lie to them and deceive them. Why? They don't know the word of God yet. So they need other believers to be there. So he's very concerned about uh, these, these new believers. As we looked at uh, two weeks ago, we looked at, it says that he, that he tried time and again to go back to disciple them, right? But who hindered him? Do you remember? Satan. Satan. Very good. So Satan hindered, but listen, so as we looked at two weeks ago, Satan hindered Paul, the apostle, from going, right? And we looked at that. Where on the surface, it's like, wow, does Satan have that much power? He, this is Paul, the apostle. This is a man of God. How can Satan influence him in such a powerful way? Uh, why, you know, why did that happen? But we looked at, if you recall, that God wanted to do a greater work because uh, the epistle to those in Thessalonica is, is believed that it was the very first one that he wrote, the very first letter he wrote. So as, as we talked about, so because Paul couldn't go right into to, uh, that city, if he would have went right to the city, he never would have wrote the scriptures. These letters... It forced him to sit down and to write these letters. It, it caused him to do that. So really, I believe if Satan would have you know, known all that was going to happen, he would have said, hey, Paul, go to Thessalonica. Please go. Because millions have been blessed because Paul wrote these letters. If he would have went right to that city, he never would have penned all these letters. And we're blessed to have them. So we look at the fact, yeah, Satan hindered, but God used it to do a greater work. So think through this for, with me, please, for a minute. So Paul still has this desire. He still wants to get in there. He can't go. So as we just read, he sent somebody else because he couldn't do it. And that brings us right to verse 1 again. He sends Timothy. So it says, therefore, we could no... This is Paul writing to these new believers, so don't miss this. He says, therefore, when we could no longer... Can we say that out loud? Endure it. We thought it'd be good to stay. We left there in Athens. So Paul's saying, we're staying in Athens, Silas and I, but we sent Timothy, what? To minister to you guys. And we're going to look, we'll look back at that in a minute. But the word endure, if you're a note taker, it means to bear or to put up with. He, Paul's saying, I could no longer bear it anymore. The burden, listen, the burden didn't go away. And this is really blessing me. As I'm looking at this for my own walk with the Lord. God will put a burden in our heart. It'll actually start as a desire, and we'll try to make it happen. And sometimes there's roadblocks, and it doesn't happen. You're like, why is this not happening? I, I believe this is desires from the Lord. But it, the de desire was from the Lord. But it wasn't Paul. Paul wasn't the one to go there to minister. See, he knew that someone has to minister to them. So what happened, it wouldn't go away. The burden wouldn't go away. He kept having a burden. And he's realizing, wait, they have to be discipled. The enemy can lie to them. We need someone mature over there to disciple them. But then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, Timothy can go. And God had a better plan. 
And my point with all this is that, you know, God will put burdens in our heart to accomplish his will. But listen, it might not be the way you planned on it. Paul's plan was, I need to go. And God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to write these letters. But the burden kept increasing. It was unbearable. He's like, wait, what can I do? And all of a sudden, somehow, someway, I, I mean, I don't know. But he's writing these letters saying, I need to go. And then Timothy walks in. He's like, Timothy, I don't need to go. He can do it. God will put a desire on our heart, and if it's not accomplished when we try to do it our way, and it continues to get stronger and stronger, it can become like a burden to you, and you're like, I know God wants me to do this. I would suggest do what Paul did and just keep praying. Maybe there's another way. Maybe his will is far better than your will, and maybe he wants to do something else, use something else. Maybe there's another plan that you're not in tune with, but just keep praying, because that's what we see in our text. For many years, I've had a strong burden Strong burden for the unborn that are in the womb that are being murdered by the millions. It's, a, I, it's there. I know it's God. It's a burden that I've had, my wife's had, we've had, and, and, it, and we need to speak out. So what we do here at this church, as you know, we talk about this. Why? Because it's real. Babies are dying, and I believe it's a burden. So with the burden, it increases. It doesn't get less. And I've had people challenge me and say, well, you shouldn't be talking about that in church. Don't you realize that there's ladies here that have had abortions and you're hurting them? No, no, no. If, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've had an abortion and you've, you've confessed that to Christ, you're forgiven and, it's, and, and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. But we still need to stand up for these, these babies that are appointed to die. It's brutal. It is, it's very brutal. Matter of fact, I, you can look this up. In the experimental stages of the vaccine, what they did is in, these, in, that, in that stage of, of experimenting to, with it, what they did is they had to take babies, listen, their tissues and their hearts and their kidneys alive. They had to take them out while they were alive. I challenge you, look it up. And it's, it's just evil and it's wrong. And it shouldn't be taking place of the day that we live in. This should not happen. And so, and so here at this church, we expose it. We talk about these things. And, and we, tell, we encourage you, vote for people that are pro-life. And I used to hear this years ago. People would say to me, oh, no, you shouldn't be talking about that in church. Oh, really? Well, because the millions of people have had such a burden for this, um, well, we put a pro-life uh, person in office as a president, Right? And that pro-life person appointed three justices on the Supreme Court. And we overturned Roe v. Wade. Why? Because millions of people over the years, almost 50 years, have been burdened with this to say, God, please change this. Lord, change this. But the fight's not over. In California, you know this, I hope you know this, Prop 1. This is a, they're trying to amend the California Constitution to include abortion up to the moment before the baby's born. And this is going to be on the ballot in November. So yes, the burden that we have here in this church, yeah, we're going to continue to talk about this. We're going to ask that you call. We're going to ask that you, you talk, talk to your representatives, your legislation, and, and talk to these people and say, this is wrong, this is evil. Don't do this. And when the vote comes out, if, it, if it's going to be on the ballot, that we, we just say, no. Has God put a burden in your heart? Another burden here at this church that we have is we, we 
For years, we've had a burden with what's going on in the public school system, and it's bad, it's wrong. We had a panel here on Tuesday. We talked about things so sensitive we didn't put it online because we wanted to them, the teachers and, the, and those that are on the school board and everything just to talk freely about what's going on in our public schools. It's worse than you can imagine. And you might say, really, Pastor, it's bad? Well, I don't know, you judge. So a fourth grade elementary uh, teacher, she had her, her children watch a performance in her classroom of a drag queen, uh, and then she encouraged her kids to, to, to be drag queen uh, performers in fourth grade. That's wrong. California Department of Education advocates books promoting gender transition to kindergartners. I don't want my five-year-old learning this. And then the high schoolers, it says they're teaching that uh, they, should not, they, should, they should kneel at the national anthem. That's what they're teaching kids. So because of this burden, we're praying, we're praying. And it, it started with the desire, how do we rescue? How do we help? And so the desire gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's why we started Harbor Cove Prep. It's a support ministry for homeschoolers, but it's Monday through Friday, kindergarten, as we showed you the video, to 12th grade. Why? To rescue, listen, not only the kids, but also the teachers. It's getting so difficult for the teachers that they're like, I, I can't do this anymore. So that's what we're doing. So I would ask, please pray about that, okay? But, this, what, it, but what we see in our text, we see it starts with a, a desire, then it turns into a burden, and then it increases. Why? Because, listen, I believe that happens just like Paul. God wants to do a greater work. Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1? Hannah was barren. She wasn't able to have children. And so she had a desire, Lord, give me a child. Years went on, years went on. Her biological clock was ticking, if you know what I mean. She's, she's just finally, she's like, it was, she was burdened. And you might say, well, are you sure she was burdened? Absolutely. She was so burdened. You know the story, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. It says, and, it says, and she was in bitterness of soul. Does that sound like she was burdened? And prayed to the Lord and wept in what? Can we say that out loud? That sounds like she was burdened. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction, burden, of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant. What did she say? But you will give, if we give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Uh, the Nazarite vow. In other words, he'll, he'll be consecrated to you. And if you know this, this story, what happened, so she had young Samuel, right? Young Samuel, she waited till young Samuel was weaned, and what did she do? She dropped him off to Eli, the high priest, right? As a young child. And he served in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Why? Well, because Eli, the high priest, his sons were corrupt, and God needed to put a God-fearing man in that place to, to serve in the house of the Lord. So what did he do? He started with a woman and put a desire in her heart. And if she would have just had children right away, then this wouldn't have happened. But it was so intense. The burden was so hard. She's like, Lord, I'll even give them to you if you please. I just have to have this child. And I'll, I'll give him away to you. I'll, I'll let him serve you all the days of his life. I'll drop him off to Eli. And Eli, the high priest, can take him. And that's exactly what happened. And we're told about Samuel, this little boy that grew up, it says not one of his words fell to the ground. He was used mightily by God. It started with a burden. Started with a desire, turned into a burden. My question again to you, is God placed a burden upon your heart? Well, maybe he wants to use you. Maybe he wants to accomplish a work in your life. 
ask him, seek him. And maybe most of the time I find in my life, it's, it's a lot different than what I come up with. But listen, it's a lot better. Amen? Amen. So back in our text. And just so you know, I'm going to spend most of the time on these first two verses. And we're going to pick up some speed at the verses 3 to 8. So he sends Timothy, and this is so important, he, he sends Timothy to these new believers, don't miss this, to do what? To establish and encourage. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the definition of those two words. Why? Because this is so important. I love the fact that as we read this letter, this is going to a church, right? And so we can glean off of this. And this is important for all new believers. They need to be established and encouraged. So the word established means to fix firm what? In their faith, fix firm in their faith to make firm, to strengthen, to fix something so that it stands upright and immovable. So think through this. They're new believers. They don't know the word of God. Paul's far away from them. Paul's like, I need to get in there. I need to, the, the, the devil can lie to them. They can deceive them. They need to know the word of God. They need to, to, to have their faith, you know, stable. So Timothy's there, and that's what he's doing. Uh, the other one is encourage them, means to come along. Interesting if you're a note taker, this word uh, encourage, it's very similar to the Holy Spirit. It's, uh, the Holy Spirit is uh, paracletus. This is a very similar word, means to come alongside of. So to come alongside, to sit down beside, to comfort, to teach, to instruct, to pray, to strengthen. That's right here, very simple. That's what new believers need. My question to you as a believer, are you fixed in your faith when it comes to Jesus Christ? I could stand up here and tell you, nobody can talk me out of a relationship with God right now. I, I, could, I don't care who you are. It's not arrogance. It's just I, I, am, I have this immovable uh, place in me where I have a relationship with God, and you can't take that away from me. That's how all of us should be as believers in Jesus Christ. But the problem with, with new believers, the, the, the fiery darts come their way. They don't know the word of God, and they're confused. They're like, well, what does that mean? What does this mean? And there must be mature Christians. There must be churches that teach the Bible, that, that expose lies and bring through truth. And so this is so important. So again, I'm challenging you. Is your faith fixed? You know how awesome it, it is to know that my faith is fixed. You know, listen to this. Do you know these last two years, two and a half years, I've seen people that I thought were real solid that they're not even walking with the Lord anymore? Why? Their faith wasn't fixed in Christ. And it rocked the world, and it's sad. But new believers need to be encouraged in this. They need to be, you know, discipled. They need to, to have us as mature believers to come alongside, to be there, they're going to have questions. And what it does for us as mature believers, it strengthens us. It's like, well, I'm not sure. Let me look that up. That's a great question. I love what God's doing here with the college-age kids. And if you don't know that, you need to know that. There's a special work of, of God working with these college-age kids and, and young career age also. I love it. And I'm watching the older, mature pouring into these younger ones. I've had opportunities even after services and all, that, you know, praying with them, coming alongside. They're asking me questions all the time. And it's just, I love being a part of that. And I'm watching how the Lord's working. We have uh, Chad Williams, the uh, Navy SEAL. That he's, he oversees Forge and he's pouring into these kids. And it's just, geez, God is doing something special. Listen, with these young kids, and it's an answer to our prayers. Because we need, if, if we lose the young generation, we're all in trouble. And it's so encouraging to watch what God's doing with these kids. I was at uh, Yogurtland the other day. But, uh, <laughs> and um, 
there was a young college-age kid, two be behind the counter, you know, and they strung up a conversation with them. This kid was just, I don't know, he was like asking me all these questions, like, what is this, this, this? And then he finally says, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. He goes, no way, really? And I said, yeah. And he goes, which one? And I said, Calvary of the Harbor. And he goes, I've heard of that place. He goes, don't they have like a ministry for kids my age? And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, people have been inviting me to that. He goes, I really want to go. And I said, yeah, you need to go. He says, isn't it that SEAL guy that's doing that? I said, yeah, it's the SEAL guy. He said, oh, yeah. And he's all like, and I'm just watching this work. It's not a, Listen, it's not a natural work. It's a supernatural work that God's doing, and it's powerful. And it's an answer to our prayers, and I'm sure it's an answer to many, that, that burden. It's like, Lord, save these young kids. And he's rescuing these kids. And this, this is exactly what needs to happen. We need to establish them and encourage them. Be there for them. Mature Christians, if... You've walked with the Lord for years. My challenge to you, are you pouring into the younger ones? Are you there for them? You will not believe how it's just the power of that. When you have the young people that had never heard all, you know, these, the, the truths of God's word and they're asking you your, these questions and you're just pouring in. Listen, the Bible says when you water others, God waters you. I could sit there for like 20 hours just talking about, the, you know, this is, I, could, I love doing that. But that's what we're called to do. And that's what Timothy was doing. Then he goes on in our text. It says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. So Paul's writing to these new believers, telling them, don't be shaken. You're appointed to this. We're appointed to this. I told you beforehand, as you know, that there's going to be tribulation and all. And just as, you know, I told you it was going to happen, and it happened and I believe from here, this is a good thing for us to be reminded of. And it's a good thing to remind all new believers um, we're going to have persecution. We're going to have trials. But those trials are for us. They're to help us, to mature us. It's so sad. I've ever seen this before where someone will they'll come to Christ and then uh, they'll go to another church because we teach the Bible. But they'll say, oh yeah, everything, if you give your life to Christ, guess what? Everything's going to get better. That's not scriptural. No, there's going to be trials. There's going to be, there's going to be things that are going to come our way. Persecution. People are going to get upset at us. People are going to be mad. Why? Because we're in the, we have God's light. And if they're in darkness, they don't want the light. But it's a good thing for us to realize. And so Paul says, see, I, I warned you guys that the tribulation was going to come. You're going to have you know, difficult times. Don't think that this tribulation here is the great tribulation. I don't believe we're going through the great tribulation. But your faith, my faith, will be tested to see if it's genuine. And then when it's tested, it's used to mature us. I remember years ago, someone I loved dearly, I prayed, to receive, prayed with to receive Christ. And he went to church for a little while. And he started reading the Bible for a little bit. And a trial came by and he walked out. That was 20-some years ago. Never to turn back. Why? You might think, did he lose his salvation? No, I don't believe so. I, I believe he never had genuine faith. Listen, nothing should shake us. You might say, well, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, but God's going to work it together for good. God's going to use it for good if you allow him to, if you just seek him. Amen? When trials come our, ways, our way, and it will, difficult time comes our way, and it will, the temptation for us will be to give up or to go back to your old lifestyle. Don't do that. Don't give up. I would say look up. 
Don't give up, look up. Don't give up because that's the temptation. Just give up and, and, and no, 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 don't do that. Don't give up, keep looking up, keep looking to him because he wants to use the trials that you have for you. Remember what James tells us, James chapter one, verse two, it says, my brethren, count it all. Can we say it out loud? When you fall into various trials. Uh, this is the takeaway. And if you don't get anything else, please get this, that no matter what comes your way, no matter what trial comes your way, trust in God and trust that he'll get you through it. That's faith. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.